my name is Lawson. If you don't know me, I'm the student and family minister here at Redeemer. Uh, pastor Kevin's on vacation. Um, also, Pastor Jeff is on vacation, uh, our, our pastor for preaching uh, and vision. And, uh, and I don't know how the, the vacation schedules uh, lined up like that, but they did. Uh, and so we have uh, with us uh, Pastor Bryant Lee, Bryant Lee from um, uh, Higher Expectations Church in Humble, a fellow X29 uh, church uh, pastor there. Uh, you might remember Bryant from speaking at uh, Pastor Jeff's book release party. He came and served us in that way. And so uh, it's our honor to have him uh, and, and for him to share the word with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, as I told the first service, it has been an honor, a privilege, and a joy to be here. I'm a little darker version of Jeff than you're used to seeing. And, uh, uh, but I want to thank you, the Redeemer family, for your years of partnering with us in urban inner city church planting in Northeast Harris County and Montgomery County, where we've been able over the past 12 years to plant t- uh, seven churches in urban inner city neighborhoods, and uh, your partnership has helped to make that possible. So let's give God a big hand praise for that. Amen. Now, before I pray, I'm going to give us a few ground rules, and the ground rules kind of go like this. If you're very, very quiet, uh, if a few, few people say amen, I'll speed up. If nobody says anything, I'll go slow, right? And so, uh, you know, that's just kind of how it's going to go down this morning. Uh, the first service was pretty excited. I had, I had a little amen corner over here, and we went for about, 20, about 25 minutes. And so, but then in the booth, they've told me uh, that the second service is generally the service that likes to be at church to 2.30. And so they said, just take your time. And so we're going to work at it. Amen. Amen. If you'll do me a favor, if you'll just join me in prayer, we'll jump right in on this morning. Father, we thank you, praise you, and magnify you so much. We're so honored, God, to be here. We're so thankful for the leadership of this church. Uh, We pray, God, for our pastors that are out. We pray for their peace, protection, and provision. We pray that they are revived, rested, God, Father, and refreshed uh, for the journey ahead, Father. We thank you for this body, near and far. We ask your blessings upon us this morning. Uh, Father, will you stand and speak in me and through me that your people might hear a word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'll go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2, I'm reading from the CSB, and uh, if you'll go there, uh, we'll read uh, 11 verses together. We want a tag for a title on this morning, uh, A Unified Community is an Unstoppable Community or a unified church is an unstoppable community. Amen? Uh, When you have Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, if you'll just say amen so that I know we're there. If you need more time, say I'm on my way. If you're confused, use the table of contents. And if you got a device, just Google it. We'll be all right. Amen? Hallelujah. See, we got all kind of ways to get to the Word of God now. The Bible reads this way. It says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation... Of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, right, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come and when he had come as a man, 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death of death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. Say, I'm liking you guys already. Amen. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Amen. Not optional. Uh, In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers, readers, and doers of his most holy word. Amen. Just a little background on me. I spent, uh, I had the privilege of serving in the military for 23 years, 11 months, and about four hours. And, uh, and often people ask me, uh, what do I miss most about my time in the military? What do I miss most about my time in the military? And my response is always the same. I miss the camaraderie. I miss the common bond. I miss the selfless service of the soldiers. I miss the loyalty. I miss the unified purpose of mission and vision that was found in the military. You see, in the military, I knew every single day, every time I got up on an airplane and every time I put my foot on foreign soil, that the men and women around me, that the soldiers around me, we as soldiers shared a common identity that was common mission, that was a common vision, and that was to represent a cause greater than ourselves that we represented a nation, right? We knew that every single time. To impose the values and visions of the United States was our goal, to execute the orders of our commander-in-chief of the United States. Now, how many of you know that we have a greater commander-in-chief now, amen? Hallelujah. How many of you know, amen, that we have a bigger vision than just winning a war? But regardless of the circumstances, God, regardless of the circumstances, we knew, amen, cold, rain, snow, unrelenting, heat, uh, executing the mission would unify us as a unit. It was with this understanding that we could joyfully give our lives if necessary to the good of the mission. See, here's what most people don't realize. Winning wars, right, is more than believing deeply about the mission, right? While that is important, but winning wars, combat tacticians know that winning wars is a game of inches, you say, what do you mean by a game of inches? It is a game that, that in order to win, you have to win the 18 inches between the head and the heart. You have to win, amen, generally the six inches between the ears. That winning wars is more than about dropping bombs and airplanes and, 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 and winning with force. It is, it is winning the hearts and minds of the soldiers and sailors and Marines who are going to put their lives in harm's way. It is winning hearts, heads, and hands. Likewise, this morning, Scripture teaches us that Jesus, amen, if he has our hearts and our heads, and, he's, and we know that we are on mission that the church can advance to the darkest places of society and culture and we will become the unstoppable community that Jesus gave his life for to the glory of God. 
So you may be asking, you may be asking, I would be asking the question because Jeff was in Matthew. Y'all been walking through Matthew, but since Jeff let me come and preach, he says, just go ahead and preach something. I'll pick back up in Matthew. But you may be asking, as I listened to Jeff's message last week, which was to repent, hear, and do, you'll remember his reference to how the Pharisees sought to disrupt the ministry of Jesus. At every turn, the Pharisees, they were trying to gut punch Jesus. They were trying to trip him up. They was trying to show him up. They were trying, they were trying to get the disciples to a place of disunity and unbelief. They were trying to get the church, amen, off of its redemptive course. You would, re- you, you would remember that Jeff had talked to us about that on last week. Likewise, spiritually, if you, if you just think about it, Satan is seeking to disrupt what God is doing in his church. Therefore, it is my hope and my encouragement, right, that we will walk as a unified church in unity, advancing the kingdom of God this morning. Now, when I talk about this idea of a unified church, I want you to expand your context and not just think about Redeemer, Tomball. I want you to really think about the church of Jesus Christ and all of his places and all of his shapes and all of his sizes, amen. I want you to think about that missionary that's out in the bush in the middle of nowhere, advancing the cause of the mission and vision of God. I want you to think about that urban inner city church that's trying to do his thing among gangbangers and drug dealers. I want you to think about the nice suburban church, amen, that has all of the nuts and bolts, the bells and the whistle. But mainly what I want you to think about is that you and I have been called on a redemptive mission with God to be a unified body that's going to go out, amen, in the darkest places of people's lives and in the world and proclaim that Jesus, yes, Jesus Christ lives, amen. And because he lives, here's an opportunity for you and I to give our lives to something greater to something bigger than we ever thought possible. That is, that is bringing men and women face to face with a living God and lead them into an eternal destiny. Oh, there we go, there we go, there we go. See, see, you thought you were coming to church this morning just to hang out, get your coffee and a couple of donuts and go back home. But I've come to tell you this morning that God is calling you and I on mission. He's calling us to give our lives away. And you can't do that. If you've become comfortable, you can't do that if you think, man, that is... It's all about me. It's my little idol God. You have to have something much bigger and better and grander before us. See, another key reason is that our culture has turned combative. If you think about it, amen, it looks like the whole world is turning on the, on the church of Jesus Christ, amen. And if, and if we're not careful, we'll be sipped and stirred into non-essential petty arguments and we'll seek to make the gospel small rather than and, and, and make the culture big rather than glorify God with all that we do. And finally, I believe that a unified church on mission together as a community brings great joy to the God of heaven. And in like manner, it is the only way for us to fulfill our purpose and experience the joy of the Lord in this life and this life to come. The apostle Paul knew this. So when he writes here in this particular pericope of scripture, Paul writes to the church of Philippi from a Roman jail and he begins to lay out for them the foundation of experiencing lasting joy around the mission of Jesus Christ. We know that it's about that because about 16 times in this here particular four chapters, amen, Paul talks about and mentions joy in various forms. See, the the church he is writing about is facing persecution and they're fighting false, uh, they're fighting against false teachings and idol worship. And however, in this particular section of scripture, Paul speaks to the need for them to remain unified in their faith and practices. Paul understands that it's going to take a unified community to advance the gospel message to a resistant world. 
Look at me, look at me, look at me before we unpack the text. Say, man, look at me, look at me. Understand this here. Understand the world is sin sick. And this is where you get to be Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. This is where you get to show up with the antidote. And the antidote for the sickness that the world has is called the gospel. And you and I, man, we walk around with the power of the gospel available to give away, to pull people out of darkness and out of this sickness called sin into the marvelous and glorious light of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to help people make the transfer, amen. In other words, you can see yourself as a bus driver. When I was a kid in St. Louis, we would catch the bus, and sometimes you would ride the bus, and it would only go so far, and you would have to get a transfer. But the bus driver would give you a ticket, and he would punch your ticket so that when you got on the next bus, they would be looking for for that ticket to be punched. And what you and I get to do with the gospel, amen, every time we encounter somebody who's stuck in darkness, amen, on this unified mission, we get to punch their ticket, amen, and tell them that you can keep on riding, that there's a further road for you to go, amen. And not only do we get to do it that way, man, we get to sit next to them, amen, and see what God is going to do in their lives. But in order for us to do that, we must be unified, not just here in Tomball, but all over the place as one church, Jesus Christ, advancing the mission of the gospel. And so Paul understands that it takes this unified community to advance the gospel message to a resistant world. Look at me with the text as we unpack it. Verse one and two says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of his love, any fellowship with his spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. You see, our unity is not found in programs or policies. No, 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 no. But in the person of Jesus Christ, some might ask what unifies us as a church, a faithful community of believers. Allow me to give you several unrelenting truths to hold on to this morning. First and foremost, our encouragement is found only in Jesus only in Jesus. There are people here who can testify this morning that they've tried to find their encouragement in alcohol and in drugs and in wine and in women and in men, and it always disappoints, amen. Our encouragement, amen, can only be found in the redemptive love of an of a unrelenting and reckless Savior who comes after us, amen. While we were yet in sin, Jesus came looking for us, and because of that, amen, this should unite us and bring us together, amen, that we now get to raise one banner, the bloodstained banner, of Jesus Christ before a watching world. Yeah, 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 so, so, so. Not only that, he tells us, he says, he says this, he says, he says, not only is our encouragement found in Jesus Christ, right? We can see, we can see that the danger of looking outside of Christ for fulfillment and value, the reality that the world is a doggy dog system. Oh yeah, the world's a doggy dog system. However, the Apostle Paul states that the body of Christ should be a place of comfort and counsel because of what we have experienced in Christ alone. See, you see and I see our unity is bigger than buildings and budgets. Our unity and our unifiedness is bigger than seats and songs and our unity is bigger than groups and gatherings. I want to submit to you that a unified community draws attention to the glory of God in all places at all times, amen and that brothers and sisters, this here is worth fighting for day in and day out, amen. And so our comfort then, our comfort is in the love that can only be found in him. We experience firsthand the rejection found in the world. However, right, undeserving, we also have experienced the reckless love of God. This love is how we live and give to others. 
right? If we just honest with each other, many of us were, unlo- many of us were unlovable for a long time. I know I was unlovable, amen. I got saved one Sunday morning going to church to kill a preacher. No, 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 not. True story, true story. See, first crowd didn't get this. I'm going to give it to you. Like, you can handle it, amen. When I tell this to people, they begin to, they begin to tighten up, amen. I know, some of y'all, I know some of y'all got burners on you this morning. I know some of y'all got scraps on you. So let me just tell you, one Sunday morning, I was a Muslim. I was a black nationalist. My wife had got saved. I was mad with the preacher. This Sunday, I said, I'm going to take this joke out, amen. The man was preaching a crazy message, but he got to John 3.16. He said, for God so loved the world that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life, amen. He was so bold in his little storefront church that he looked me dead in the eye and say, son, you need Jesus. And before I know it, with bayonet in my hand, I was giving my life to Christ. Why? Because he believed in the mission of Jesus Christ, that he had come to seek and save that which was lost. And he believed that to better, that, that together we were better. Amen. Oh, help me to understand what the church would look like. Amen. If we really gave our lives to the mission of Jesus Christ, if we really gave ourselves to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we didn't hold back our love and compassion for the laws, what would the church of Jesus Christ look like? He says it. Amen. He says our fellowship with him is by his spirit. We're united by the spirit of God. It is the seal and mark of our union with Christ. It is the glue that unifies and holds us together. That's why we read in Galatians 3, around verses 26, 29, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are the children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ. In other words, he's saying, get over yourself, amen, and get on mission. Don't make it about you. Don't become a consumer, amen, only showing up saying, I need a word, I need my needs met, amen. Don't always come with your hands out, amen. Sometimes come, amen, with your arms extended to give the love and mercy of God to your fellow brothers and sisters in a dying world. He says, so if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. See, our unity is deeper than a common call to camaraderie. I don't know. This crowd looks a little older than the other crowd, but some of y'all look real young, so I'm going to mess you up. When I talked to you about 1992, there was a guy named Rodney King. Rodney King was on the side of a highway, and he was getting a beat down, amen. And the whole, they had this whole ride going on. They were burning L.A. down, and Rodney King came on the TV, and he says, can we all just get along? There's more at stake than us just getting along. Eternity hangs in the balance. And so we have to have a bigger picture of that. Our mutual compassion for the beloved bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is God's greatest prize and possession. Paul proclaims and presses with passion for the church to stand in the call of Christ. Look with me one more time, real quick, verses two through four. Look what he says. Make my joy complete. Then Paul tells you how that's going to come to pass. He says these words. He says, by thinking the same way or by having like-mindedness, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. When I came into the foyer, I saw the beautiful building that you guys are about to build, and I see how close you are to building, but the purpose is not the building. It's only a tool. 
The purpose, amen, is to proclaim the name of a life-changing Savior and King, amen. It is to be a lighthouse among the darkness. That is the purpose for which you and I exist. Our whole redemptive purpose is that we might proclaim him until he comes. And so he tells them, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. He says, in other words, amen, he says, the only way for us to be a unified community, amen, we have to take the humble seat. We have to humble ourselves. We have to get over ourselves. We have to start considering others. We have to stop looking through the lens of me and looking through the lens of we. We have to come to the place of saying, man, we're better together. We got to come to the place of saying, we can do this together. When I was a soldier, we had a saying, leave no man behind. Even if that man was dead, we would risk our lives to get that dead man and bring him back home. That has to be the same passion we have in the body of Christ to leave no man behind, to leave no rock unturned, to leave no dark place without the opportunity to hear and see the light of Jesus Christ. See, our unity is revealed to a watching world as demonstrated by by these living principles, being like-minded, right? To be like-minded really means to have the mind of Christ, to see things as he would see them and to respond as he would respond. Here's the question. How are you responding by your attitudes, affections, and actions? The danger of not having like-mindedness, or, or, or hear what we say, I got my own mind, is that my mind and your mind are not trustworthy. There was a, there was a, there was a candy commercial. Some of us remember this. It was the, it was the Almond Joy Mounds commercial, and they had a little slogan. It says, sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we're honest with each other this morning, we know that's us half the time. Half the time I'm Christ-like, and the other half I'm the devil. Sometimes I feel like a nut. Sometimes I don't. Amen. Me, even the preacher. Amen. Sometimes my wife look at me and say, you're full of the devil. I say, pray for me. Pray for me. Because we're not always at our best. There are times when we need others to come around us because if we're honest, sometimes we're at our best and sometimes we're at our worst. That's why he's saying showing the same love that Christ showed that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I told them in the earlier service to give you an illustration of what that looks like, how, 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 how unworthy we, we were. Maybe you've been to Kroger's or H-E-B and you go down the fruit aisle. And you see, sometimes they have, that, they have that old fruit. It'd be all crinkly and stinky. You know, it'd be all nasty. You, have, you ever, have you ever picked up an orange and it was so soft that it just kind of swished in your hand? You don't buy that orange, do you? You set that orange back. But listen, listen, you were that orange. And Christ paid for you, amen. Christ says, though you are rotten and unworthy, I'm going to pay for you. I'm going to make the great exchange for you. And that's why we have to be on a unified mission together because none of us, regardless of how high we've risen in life, are worthy, amen, to be here this morning under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So the next time you think you're something, amen, just get your old rotten orange and set it in your house and just watch it. 
Just remind yourself, I'm just like that rotten orange. I'm so undeserving for anybody to purchase me. But Christ purchased us with his own blood. But then he says this here. He says now, not only that, he says, but then I need you all to be of one mind or of, or of one accord. To be of one accord means to work together in harmony. And really, this is what the, the middle chapters of Philippians is about. It's about harmony and unity. The greatest enemy to the church is our inability to be together, is togetherness. The danger of coming to church Sunday after Sunday and sitting next to people and leaving and coming and sitting next to somebody else and leaving. The danger of leaving here on Sunday and never connecting with each other during the week speaks to our individuality and our culture and not what Christ has called us to as a family. He says that he wants us to be united together in Christ on one accord, being of one mind. To be of one mind means to act so united as to show Christ's mind and directing our activities, both as individuals and as a corporate body as believers, on mission together. That's why in these last six verses, he gives us this rundown. He, he helps us in these last few verses with this here rundown. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ. If we're going to be this unified church on mission together, amen, we got to shed our old attitudes, our old ways, and adopt the same attitude that Christ had. You said, you said, okay, Brian, help me, help me, because that seems so high for me. That seems so lofty, amen. I just, I just want a God who can do stuff. He says, no, God wants a people who can do stuff, who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God to be something to be explored. In other words, Christ did not put himself up on high. Christ came down, right? and emptied himself, assuming the form of a servant, taking on humanity, amen. And he became and became as a man. In other words, watch this here, Christ incarnate, he came and he became us that he might rescue us. In other words, how do I become more like Christ? I humble myself. I surrender my will to the will of the Father. I look to see how can I become of service to others, both in the body and outside of the body. I do more to reach those who are lost and bring them in closer to Christ. Amen. I, I, I work harder at, 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 at my attitudes, my affections, and my actions. I begin to look through a different lens. Amen. I no longer look in that mirror that makes me foolish. You know, we all got one of those mirrors. If you look at yourself this way, you're 10 pounds heavy, but if you turn this way, you're 10 pounds lighter, right? And some of us, amen, we like the side mirror. We don't like the front mirror because the front mirror tells the truth. The side mirror tricks us, amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been telling my wife, I've been telling my wife this here for the past several months. I say, I don't know what you're doing with that washing machine and dryer, but you better stop shrinking my clothes. And even when I go to the doctor, I stand on my scale, I weigh one thing, then I go to the doctor, I tell him, you need to calibrate this thing. Because at home, I was 10 pounds lighter, I promise you. I promise you. Right? And so why? Why? Because here's the deal. It can't be all about me. I have to look through the lens of life and the lens of the gospel and see myself and say, what do I add to this body? How do I surrender myself to the will of God? How do I give it all over? Amen. And what I love about Christ, amen, is that he sets the bar high. He gives us the example of humility. When the Bible says in verse 8 that he humbled himself to become obedient even to the point of death, even to, even to the death on a cross. 
Now, you and I know, and I know Jeff has taught this here many times, the cross was the most shameful and ugly thing that could ever have happened to a person back in the first century. But the reality of today, the cross is a beautiful thing. We wear them around our necks. We put them on our cars. We put them in our yards. There are artwork on our walls. And so the cross really doesn't mean what it used to mean to a watching world. But when you talk about the resurrection, now you get people's attention. And here Paul says... Paul says, not only did Christ die death, not only was he obedient, amen, unto death, but it says, for this reason, here it is, God has exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. I love that because, I love it because not only is Christ our suffering servant king, he is our sacrificial substitute. That's what we see, amen. And, 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 and we can have a, a holy huddle around the cross because Jesus shows us that as a servant, we must surrender our will to the fathers. What I love about this text in verse 9 reminds us that in verse 8 is just a trailer, you know, like a movie. Trailer. The trailer is designed to make you want to see the movie. Right. And so and so and that's what we get. So in verse eight, we get the trailer. Amen. But in verse nine, we get to we get to see a little bit more. And so what we get to see what's to come. Verse eight states Christ humbled himself and surrendered his life. But verse nine says, right, that, that tells us that in the resurrection, God not only raised Christ from the grave, that he has permanently positioned him on the throne as our high priest and king forever. Listen, beloved, we can walk in unity and be a unified movement because the cross ties us together. We can walk in unity and be a unified movement because the resurrection reminds us there is more to come. We can walk as a unified community because the spirit of the resurrection Savior has taken up residence in our mortal bodies, empowering us to live in a unified community of unity. And so because of these things, amen, it can be bigger than anything you and I have ever come to imagine. See, our unity is really found in Christ's example. Unity can only become possible if you and I surrender completely to the will of God for our lives. And how do we collectively promote and live out this? He tells us, going all the way back to verse 5, he tells us to saturate our minds with Jesus. Amen. Some of you, I see it. I see it. Some of you are huge Astros fans or Rockets fans. I know Jeff is a big Rockets fan. You know, you cut him, amen, and Rockets red come out, cut some of us. Orange comes out, amen. But what really should happen when you cut us, Jesus should come out. Amen. I remember, I remember. This is just an illustration, an illustration. I had a good friend named Ronald Morton, and uh, we were playing in a church softball league. <clears throat> Ronald was kind of a big man, and so he was always the picture. And Ronald would pitch the ball, and he'd be talking trash, pitch the ball, and talking trash. And we had this big deacon, big dude, big dude. I mean, he was the kind of dude you didn't want to meet in a dark alley all alone, except he was a teddy bear, right? And so <clears throat> he comes to the plate, and he's huge. He's like 6'4", 300 pounds, muscles bulging out. And he rides back, and he hits the softball, and everybody hears it. You know, you think the ball is flying. You think it's going out over the fence. No, it came and smacked Ronald right in the face. Bam! Everybody said, ooh! But here was the deal. Here was the deal. Here was the deal. Ronald said, Jesus. See, what's in us under pressure comes out of us. And if Jesus is the center of our lives, that's what comes out of us. 
satisfying his call for us to be on mission together. I thought as a soldier going someplace, every soldier, every soldier wants to go to combat. I thought that was the highlight of my life until I became a Christian. And I realized that was nothing, right? The highlight of my life, amen, was learning to become obedient to Christ and living life in godly Christian community with other Christians who would help push me further than the army ever could, amen. And so we saturate our minds with Jesus. We, we, we surrender to the agenda, to, we, we surrender our agenda to God's agenda of building his agenda. We serve with a servant's heart, affection, attitudes, and actions. We are willingly and obediently sacrifice whatever's necessary for the cause of Christ. See, the risen Christ makes all these things possible. That's what we read here in verse 9. And then we get to celebrate in verse 10 and 11 when the church is unified and on mission. We get to see every knee one day will bow and every tongue will confess. But we get to see those who have gladly and purposefully surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. And we get to be partakers in the work of God with him as a unified body in community. Yes, Redeemer, I want to see you build that building. I want to see that lighthouse out there. I want to see, I want to see that, 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 that monument of God's presence in the community. But even more so than that, amen. I want to see the church on mission, amen. I want to see the church running out of there ready, amen. As, as the old Pentecostal preachers would say, ready to run, run at hell with a squirt gun, amen. That's what we want. We want something so much bigger, so much better. We want to be a unified community on mission together, amen. And so I leave you with this question. I leave you with this question. Are you committed to glorifying Christ as a servant? Are you committed to gospel community and biblical unity under the power of Christ no matter what comes and no matter what goes? Does Christ have all of you? And if he has all of you, does that show itself up in gospel community unified together under one mission? Are you all the way in or are you still playing games? There was a game when I was a kid. It was called, uh, I don't know the, call, the name of it. I think it was Frogger, the Frog or something like that. And the idea was you had to get the frog across the highway. I don't know, I don't know what they call the game, but I loved the game, right? I wasn't real good at it, but I loved it. I think, I think, I think, I think the sin in me liked to see the frog get hit by the cars and smashed out. I think, I, think, I, think, I think I didn't really understand the rules. But, 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 but here's the reality. Once you jump out there, you have to be fully committed. The mission of the church requires our full commitment to a unified community on mission together in dark places glorifying the God of heaven. I want to challenge you this morning to leave it all on the table. Poker players know what I'm talking about. Even with a bad hand, I want you to push it all to the center and say I'm all in. May God bless and keep you. Amen.